This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to PuckCast with Statsman and AJ, Rotowire's hockey podcast show. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My partner in all these pods, as usual, is AJ Scholz, and you can follow him at AJ Scholz24. That's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z-2-4. Well, I've taken my half of our act to Arizona to get started on my prep for the 2018 MLB campaign. However, this pod remains all about hockey, and I look forward to digging into notes about each of the 31 teams as we are now just over a month away from the end of the regular season. Let's welcome in my co-host AJ Scholes. How's things going in uh, the central United States, AJ? Hey, can't complain here. We got the big game tonight, uh, Pittsburgh against that other team. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, all jacked up and excited for that. Uh, hey, Paul, at this point, though, I mean, with how much time you've been spending in the southern U.S., we might just want to get your application for a green card in now uh, <laughs> since, you know, you seem to be spending more time here than you do up in Toronto. Hey, for your, from your lips to God's ears, I wouldn't mind that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, before we kick off the rest of the show, I'll just remind our listeners that throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineups, uh, especially as we start to get into postseason for many fantasy leagues, uh, you know, or just hockey in general, you know, you want our opinion on uh, players or teams that you cheer for. We're happy to throw that out there as well. Uh, as Paul said, you can follow me at AJ Scholes. You can follow Paul, the Statsman at Statsman22 and just tweet those questions out. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. Beautiful. Uh- AJ, uh, we've had a couple of weeks where we had some pretty high-profile guests. We thank uh, Daniel Negreanu and Jimmy Devilano, respectively, for their fine involvement in the last two weeks, and we kind of went off the the track with in terms of our format because of that but we're back at it this week to look at all 31 teams and the news and notes around each club and we start as always in Anaheim where the dynamic duo of Perry and Getzlaff is reunited and uh, Raquel is joining them and they're followed by a pretty potent second line featuring Kessler playing a heavy game that's uh, rare in this season of play a lot of teams going with the high octane offenses uh, there's a new face on the third blue line pair in terms of Marcus Peterson. So there's a lot of change going on in Anaheim, but they're still playing that heavy game. And it makes this team stand out when they play that physical style and they they uh, do it so well. Yeah, could you imagine these line combinations if they still had Patrick Eves uh, in there? I do think also it's very interesting that uh, Anton Vermette 
can't really seem to even get a sniff of the ice at this point. Uh, I definitely thought he'd play uh, a more significant role this season, but just eight goals and eight assists in his 61 outings. Uh, the 35 year old clearly uh, doesn't seem to be enjoying his time in Anaheim, uh, at least from a, you know, getting into game standpoint. Uh, but it is what it is. You know, when you go to a team that's as stacked as they are uh, and they've got some youngsters that they really like, I know Nick Ritchie, Jakob Silverberg, obviously uh, you mentioned Raquel, you know, it's going to be hard uh, for these older veterans to kind of crack the lineup. We'll see what the playoffs has to bring. Uh, that might be a time where you turn to some of those more experienced hands. Uh, so we'll see how it all shakes up. Obviously the backstop of John Gibson uh, being back and healthy. He's uh uh, all wins since his return from injury. He actually had three wins before that. So uh, six in a row total for him, a pair of shutouts over that stretch as well. So uh, Anaheim, a very dangerous team right now playing really well. Yeah. And they haven't even got time to put uh, JT Brown back in the lineup. They picked him up too recently and Chris Kelly from the Canadian Olympic team. So really bolstering their squad. They figure they got a playoff run in them. And I certainly wanna, wouldn't want to face this team uh, the way they're playing right now. Up next, we want to talk about the Arizona Coyotes. This is a team that's playing pretty loose, AJ. They've won seven of their last nine games, allowing less than two goals a game in uh, mo- in that whole stretch. So they've really buttoned down things defensively. But I have a real big concern around Max Domi. Uh, he's only got five goals on 125 shots on the season. And I can remember at least one of those tallies was an empty netter. So I wonder where his scoring touch has disappeared to. He's been, uh, I wonder if he's worn down by all the losing here. Uh, it's hard to get a read on the players in this kind of atmosphere since the season was lost some time ago. And that same thing applies to Oliver Ekwin Larson. These guys are two of their uh, most important players, but uh, they're going to be the subject of a lot of scrutiny in, in the off season, I think. Well, you want to talk about underperforming. You have to look at Richard Panic. I mean, he's got seven goals this year between his time in Chicago and in Arizona, just one with the Yotes. Uh, this was a guy last year that played on that top line with Taves and uh, played with Kane as well, had 22 goals, 22 assists last year. I mean, he's barely going to sniff 30 points total, may not get to 10 goals even this year. Uh, definitely been a far drop off for him. Uh, especially since joining Arizona and, you know, really not living up to expectations. Now I get he did miss a little bit of time due to injury, but nothing significantly so that would explain kind of that really sharp drop off in offensive production for him. And in Boston, no Bergeron has meant no problem for the Bruins. They've won uh, all three of their games without their top pivot. He's out with a broken bone in his foot and will miss at least the next two weeks. I'm suggesting to you he might be gone for the rest of the regular season anyway as they get ready for the postseason. It depends on the the race for first in that division against Tampa. These two teams, uh, two of the top teams in all of hockey. Uh, For what it's worth, though, Riley Nash has filled in admirably in that center position, notching four points in those three contests. Rick Nash has been and very energized uh, since joining the bees on a second line with Krejci too so uh, the top six working out very well and uh, then uh, part-time players uh, around the the league this year uh, Tommy Wingles and Brian Gianta were both added at low cost uh, recently and both veterans have contributed offensively already so this is kind of the same thing as Anaheim uh, Teams tinkering around the edges, going for that depth situation up front. But uh, I'm really surprised that the Bruins haven't missed a beat without their signature player up front, really, next to Berge, uh, Marchand. 
Yeah, the only concern I have is is the blue line here. Now they added Nick Holden, which at the time seemed like uh, you know more of just a security add there. But with news that Charlie McAvoy is dealing with a sprained MCL, won't be evaluated for at least four weeks. Uh, wow. That's a, a pretty big knock on them uh, heading into the postseason. Now they should have him back in time for the playoffs, but any sort of setback or relapse could really hurt them. Uh, you look at what he was doing before he got hurt, five points in four games, uh, including a power play assist. Uh, his minutes were down a little bit over that stretch. He was averaging just 17, uh, 16 there. But, uh, you know, overall, I, I expect him to be consistently a 20 minute guy for them. Uh, so really going to, you know, they've weathered the Bergeron storm well. But I like their forward depth a lot more than I like their blue line depth. And I think the loss of McAvoy is going to be a little harder for them to overcome, even then replacing a Patrice Bergeron. I'm not saying these are guys that are equal in skill. I just think they're so much deeper at forward than they are on blue line that it becomes slightly easier to replace Bergeron than McAvoy. I like that assessment, AJ. I agree with it completely. In in Buffalo, the Sabres have been competitive of late despite missing Eichel and moving Kane out of their forward ranks. Uh, Chad Johnson's been very good in goal the last three games as well, playing for a job next year, no doubt, somewhere if the, in the league if he's not back in Buffalo. Offensively, Sam Reinhardt has been the player who's caught my eye in recent weeks, and he's got points now in six of his last seven games in another fine streak. The center position, of course, is very thin here without Eichel in there. And, and Evan Rodriguez was playing second line minutes as well. Now he's hurt. And uh, that leaves the uh, very unproductive Johan Larson as the sec- new second line center. I wonder if this opportunity might uh, spur him on to greater things, but I wouldn't bet a plug nickel on it right now. <laughs> no, I mean, I wouldn't either. Uh, and I know they're going to want to get uh, Danny O'Regan some action. Uh, they brought him over as part of that Kane trade. Uh, he's not going to suit up tonight, but they did call him up. So he'll at least uh, eventually get a look here. And they want to see what they got as far as, you know, bringing in Eichel's line mate, uh, which is essentially what they did here. Uh, I, I don't... Uh, I don't hate the move to bring him in. I just, I, I do think I talked about this last week. I think it was kowtowing to Eichel a little bit too much uh, and didn't like the return on investment. But that part aside, I think they do need to get him in the lineup and kind of see what they have uh, on the back end. To your point, Chad Johnson, uh, three wins in a row, looking absolutely phenomenal. It, it brings up some serious questions for the off season about what they're going to do in goal. I mean, they've got Robin Lerner. Uh, he's, costing them four mil this year he's a restricted free agent heading into next season they're paying chad johnson two and a half he's unrestricted next year so obviously they'll still have learners rights um, but i wouldn't be surprised to see them try and offer chad johnson something you know more significant maybe in the 3.5 range uh, just to try and keep him around as a little bit of security for times like this when he's playing really well uh, and you know learner obviously has struggled a bit uh, throughout the season so i i expect them to at least you know give it their best effort to keep johnson around next season and when it comes to talk of calgary look my uh, my friend they're three six and one without mike smith I don't, I don't want to harp on our $1 bet, but I need that dollar coming my way, and I keep checking the mailbox, AJ. It's not there yet. <laughs> He'll miss another three games on this week's uh, Eastern Swing, and uh, the Flames can just not, not handle uh, 
being without this guy any longer than that because their playoff hopes are hanging by a thread right now. They also have an issue at center where Michael Backlund is tasked with the number two role, and he's just not up to that in my opinion. It hurts more to see how this fourth overall pick in 2014 though Sam Bennett has also flopped in his three seasons playing on playing now on the wing after flunking at center there's just not a lot of good storylines around this team right now it seems like they're destined to miss the postseason Uh, they got a key game in Buffalo tonight that's a must win well, Paul, as far as that bet goes, uh, it's probably for the best for you that Mike Smith hasn't been playing because uh, I can only imagine he'd be racking up some more losses at this point. <laughs> he refuses to commit this. <laughs> Unbelievable. I think you're a penny pincher. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, to that point, I'm not going to send you a dollar and pay a 43, 44 cent stamp to send it up to Canada. So uh, if you if you want it, if you know, if we decide that you earned it, uh, with that bet, I'll bring it out to Vegas uh, when we go visit Daniel Negreanu in his uh, his home uh, hometown there. Uh, but yeah, as far as the goaltending situation, I will certainly concede uh, that Mike Smith is better than the two options that they have. John Giles, David Rich, uh, just haven't uh, haven't really put it together for extended stretch. They've both shown flashes. Uh, Rich has lost his last four. Uh, Giles got some looks in there as well, uh, and hasn't performed marginally any better he's lost his last three so uh look it it really can't be worse uh than what they've got mike smith uh is a veteran does offer significantly more i would agree than either of these two guys whether he's an elite netminder in the league is a discussion we'll continue to have uh throughout the year excellent in carolina the second center slot's a problem here too aj it's very strange to see victor rask as the fourth line left wing and Derek. Ryan as the fourth center they used to be in the mix for that center role and got shots at it earlier in the season now that line looks like the doghouse unit apparently meanwhile Toivo Teravainen is red hot with six goals in his last seven games so on the plus side at least they have that and Justin Falk has been a streaky guy all year as we pointed out now on a hot streak again with four points in his last four games they need more of their top players to get going as they haven't been good in their last 10 games only three five and two this is another team that really needs to go like Calgary and get hot and get back into the playoff hunt otherwise a good season that could have been better might go for not well I think part of the reason you're seeing those other guys move out of those top spots is the performance of Jordan Stahl I mean since rejoining the the team he's got a goal and and two assists in four games uh really looking uh like you know like he has shown uh in years past there's been some struggles this season uh, he's gone through a couple of streaks you know I, he had an 11 goal uh 11 game goalless streak at one point um but he should easily reach uh 40 points for what will be the third consecutive season at that 40 point mark uh and is definitely capable of of this top uh top center role i think based on the skill set i've seen from him his contributions on the power play are going to help them as well. Uh, and so I think it gives them the luxury of moving guys like Rask and Derek Ryan down and spreading out that depth a little bit more. So I, I don't hate those moves uh, and, and think that they're actually one of the more complete teams, at least down the middle of the lineup. Uh, fortunately, on the wing, it looks like they'll get Jakob uh, Nordstrom back sooner rather than later. He's trending in the right direction. Should be in action tomorrow, I believe. Uh, so some good news there, and it might come just at the right time. 
to help them get uh, you know into the playoffs this year. In Chicago, the there's a new chapter being written in the Hawks' history. It looks like the mighty have fallen, AJ. The Hawks are a distant last in the Central Division. I know that we expected a bit of regression, but I didn't think it was going to be this bad. Struggling Hawks have reshuffled the deck offensively as well. Taves and Kane are now in the same line. That's been a rarity since these guys have been together on this roster. They haven't played together very much. It's another case. Yeah. It's another case of a lousy center situation behind him, though. AJ, if I can continue, uh, Anisimov has 19 goals and only 17 assi- seven assists this year. That's not what you want from your second line center. You want more playmaking there. Uh, certainly, five of the goals have come in the last eight games. So he's gotten off the off the Schneid, I guess, in terms of being a total flop. But he's been in out of the lineup with injury issues as well. It's odd to me that uh, there there's talk out of Chicago that Corey Crawford is close to returning. I'd sit him out the rest of the year at this point. This, guy, this team's got nothing to play for. Why not let the guy get perfectly healthy and uh, gear up for next season? Absolutely. Couldn't couldn't agree with you more on that assessment. And I think part of what you're seeing is the result of those deep runs uh, into the postseason. And they've traded away. I mean, this team has been a buyer at the trade deadline uh, for probably the last 10, maybe even a little longer, maybe closer to 15 years. Uh, I think this year was one of the first times we would have labeled them sellers at the deadline. Uh, you know, you've got a young talent in a guy like Alex Debrinkat, who I think is going to be a great addition to their team. But he's currently on an eight uh, eight game goal uh, goal streak, has just two assists over that stretch. But he's also a rookie. You kind of have to expect that out of him. You know, until he gets a little settled in, he's going to have these, you know, stretches where he's just not able to perform. Uh, I don't think that's a knock on him. He's got 41 points in 67 games this year. Uh, and so I think he'll continue to contribute for them in the future. But with all the moves they've made over the years, they've got a lot of younger guys who are just having to adjust uh, to an NHL game. You look at Anthony Duclair. uh, He at one point in 15, 16 put up 44 points has kind of struggled since now. Part of that's being with Arizona. Obviously that's a team that makes everybody bad apparently. (laughs) Um, But so I think they've got some pieces here. It's just, they've been so good for so long that it does seem strange to us, but you think about all, the trades they've made, all the buying they've done, this was eventually going to happen. And obviously, Corey Crawford being out is the key here. Uh, and to your point, yeah, shut him down for the year. No point in forcing him back into a lost season. And then we look at the situation in Colorado where the early season line combinations came out for the Avs. We noticed that Miko Rantanen was getting the sidekick assignment next to Landeskog and McKinnon. And you know that I was all over that, AJ, and I think you were too. He's parlayed that opportunity into a breakout season, scoring at a point-per-game pace through 64 games. The Avs' improbable playoffs chase has been boosted also by solid work from the likes of Kerfoot and Yost, who have both cooled off in the last five games. And I wonder if that's going to be a bit of a death knell situation for this club uh, going forward. Yeah, the one concern I have about them right now is is the net minding. And it has nothing to do with uh, Varlamov's recent performances. I mean, he's 5-2-3 in his last 11 games, including uh, earning his team at least a point in his last five outings. No regulation losses over that stretch. The concern is that he's played all 11 games in a row. Now, part of that had to do with Bernier being out uh, dealing with a concussion. He's back off injured reserve. So I have to imagine... We're going to see Bernier get a couple, uh, Bernier rather, get a couple of these starts here or there uh, to try and rest up, uh, you know, Varlamov. This, they're in the hunt 
Uh, it's certainly not a lock here for, for a wild card spot. I think they have control of it right now, but they're really close. Uh, you know, they're going to have to hold off the Kings. The flames could make a push. Obviously St. Louis isn't out of it yet either. So, uh, I, I, I hope they can give Varlamov some rest, get some good net mining out of Bernier and hopefully, uh, that'll bolster them and set them up well for a playoff run. Right. Well, they're hanging by a thread. They're tied with with L.A. for the last spot right now uh, as we speak. In Columbus, uh, there's a couple of telltale signs here, A.J., for a team that's hanging on also to the fil- final wild, wild card in the East. They only have one forward, uh, Artemi Panero, with more than 40 points in the whole year with their, within their lineup. Then uh, Bobrovsky's hardly looked invincible on the season. His goals against way higher than we're used to seeing it. I wonder if the speed game that a lot of teams are playing and the, uh, is, uh, is a factor here because the Jackets are a big club that would rather play a physical, slower style of play. A number of the veterans have taken a backward step uh, in this uh, program this year as a result. Well, one guy who hasn't taken a backward step is Ian Cole since joining them. Uh, has a goal and an assist already in just five games. Uh, dishing out a decent number of hits, about one per game, blocking shots for him. I am a little surprised to see his minutes uh, closer to 15, uh, whereas he usually saw closer to 17 with the Penguins. I would expect that to creep up as he kind of learns the system a little bit more. Uh, but anybody that thought them making the move for Ian Cole was a bad deal on their part is, in my opinion, sorely mistaken. Uh, I think it was, well, they didn't actually get him directly from Pittsburgh, but I think it was a good uh, bit of business for them. On the flip side, Thomas Vanek, pointless in his four outings. Uh, his minutes with Columbus are just just under 13, which is a little surprising for a forward. Uh, I have to imagine that he is going to find himself outside looking in uh, if he doesn't get his game going here at some point. Uh, you know, John Tortorella is not one to suffer fools, and Thomas Vanek could be looking on the outs if he can't figure it out. In Dallas, Alex Radulov, for me, has a similar profile to Ranton in Colorado uh, being that sidekick guy in the top line though uh, he was a known entity and we that was an easy call to expect that this guy would have a good year in that setup with Ben and Sagan up front Uh, when it became apparent that he'd play in the top line we had him as a must add and we were right on the money there AJ so collective pat on the bat for back for both of us (laughs) they've switched things up a bit of late though and the big winner uh, with this lineup split uh, a little bit up front is Brett Ritchie who has been elevated of late and his shot rate over the last game five games really an indicator of the opportunity and how he wants to take advantage of it he's averaging uh, three shots on goal in the last six games and the productivity will come if he continues to get that ice time that situation and that level of production offensively well i think we have to talk about the injuries with this team uh, that could really uh, be a handicapper here ben bishop expected to miss at least one more game uh, due to injury here. That could be a big loss for them. Now, Kerry Lettinen is a decent backup goaltender. Uh, I think the problem he had last season was the fact that he was splitting time. Uh, and I'm, I'm not totally sold on Lettinen's ability to be a starter, much less a, a goalie split situation. But he can fill in for Bishop uh, while he's out. Hopefully, uh, for our Stars fans out there, they'll get him back soon. Radka Faska is out. Martin Hansel is still out. 
and this is really stretching the depth here. You've got guys who started uh, at the start of the season, like uh, Remy Ellie, Jason Dickinson, and Kamel Smith, who weren't anywhere near this lineup at the start of the year. Uh, and now they're getting regular, consistent playtime. So Dallas, to me, is starting to look a little thin. Uh, obviously, their blue line is solid. Mark Mathot, John Klingberg seem to be a really good pairing now that they actually have Mathot available. Uh, and I like Stefan Johns as well. So uh, blue line, no concerns, but net mining, if Bishop's out longer, could be a problem. And the forward depth is definitely a red flag for me here. Yeah, after the second line, it really drops off to almost nothing. In Detroit, Tyler Bertuzzi's getting more ice time on that first line as a left winger. That's an, a great opportunity for him to audition as a youngster to make the grade. They can point to the quality of several young forwards, in fact, over here, AJ, but they really have issues on the blue line. And I want to focus on that one for a moment. But they missed an opportunity to get anything for Mike Green at the deadline because he was hurt and they've got big bucks tied up in Cronwell and Erickson a pair of aging vets and DeKaiser has been underperforming and locked in for another four years at about five million a piece that whole mess on the blue line needs to somehow be unwound but uh, it won't happen easily and it could really be uh, an anchor for this club until until that situation changes well, and they've got Trevor Daly making just over $3 million a year as well uh, for two more seasons beyond this. And his production has not been anything near uh, what you would expect out of a guy you're paying that much money for, especially after what they saw in his time in, in Pittsburgh. Now, he's got three goals in his last six games, might be turning it around, but we've seen these kind of brief flashes from him. Uh, you know, earlier in the year where he has a couple games in a row where he does something good and then he'll go on a 10, 12 game kind of pointless streak and, and just kind of sink whatever momentum he would have had. Uh, I do want to talk about the hit on Franz Nielsen. Uh, David Backus uh, delivered what uh, Henrik Zetterberg termed an unnecessary hit to the head. I definitely think it was a questionable uh, hit here, yeah. uh, which I don't necessarily, you know, I have no gripe against David Backus. I've never seen him play in that style. That's very questionable, but it's not surprising to me to see that it was a Bruins player who delivered this kind of hit. It seems to be a trend out of this team. I, I, I'm just being honest here. Yeah, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm not trying to knock them or, or anything, but it does seem to be kind of a consistent trend for this team. And I, I think it's something that maybe the league needs to look at. Why is it that guys facing the Bruins seem to have to, you know, have concerns about being hit in the head. Marcus Johansson is just now getting back on the ice uh, after, you know, the the hit he was delivered. So uh, it, it's really starting to, to draw at least my ire. And I think maybe it should draw the ire of the league as well. Well, as a Leaf fan, the Bruins are a mortal rival. So I, I expect uh, to see this from once in a while out of that lineup. And you mentioned two of the players that are notorious for it. And back is just the latest one that, that should get caught and should get slammed for, for the act. I hope that he, he does face at least some sort of a, uh, a fine or a suspension situation. In Edmonton, this is another non-playoff team that's put their roster in a blender of late. Uh, AJ, newly acquired Pontus Aberg came across uh, comes across the ice now from Mike Camilleri, who's cooled off in his last four starts. These are two guys that need to audition for further uh, extension of their respective NHL careers, even though one is young and one is older. 
it's it's interesting in Camilleri's place the pace uh, situation because he notched 12 assists over a 12 game span before he really recent recently cooling off no goals though that's a surprise for a guy who used to know how to put the puck in and that with great regularity rnh centers that group for now so uh, all three of these guys need to get off the schneid meanwhile up front they've put all their eggs in one basket on that top line milan lucic joins Dreisaitl and they're flanking Connor mcdavid who is now getting booed in in uh, public places apparently uh, this is all stunning developments here but none more stunning than me to me then uh cam talbot's game where has it gone this guy was a superb goaltender last year and this season he's looking like the uh, backup goalie in new york again well let's just be clear about one thing here if if you're listening to this podcast and you've booed connor mcdavid uh you need to reevaluate what he means to your franchise i mean the guy's still yeah okay he didn't score 100 points he's still got 80 this year and a few games left to go uh, he's the best player on their team. I think the only benefit you would have about not having him in your lineup would be the fact that you'd probably be in contention uh, to win the draft lottery this year. So uh, any knock on Connor McDavid is completely unfounded. I think it's the rest of the lineup you have to be concerned about. Uh, to your point, you talked about Milan Lucic. He's got just 32 points on the year. This is a guy that has consistently been upwards of 50, even 60 on a couple of occasions just 32 this year and he's eating up six million dollars in cap this year and for the next five seasons after this uh this is looking like a bad deal more and more uh you look at it as more time goes by uh, this is a team that's going to be in a real bind you're going to have mcdavid uh eating up 12 and a half next year dry eight and a half those guys are probably worth it uh nugent hopkins making six might be a little high but i could justify it but milan lucic making six himself is definitely a concern and that's not even talking about the money afforded to the blue liners uh, i don't foresee this team getting any better anytime soon just because they're not going to have money to give to anybody uh once that mcdavid contract kicks in which he's earned don't get me wrong he's earned it but uh it's it's a lot of concern for me heading into next season yeah i agree with you bad situation money wise in florida alex barkov has been leading a surging florida club back into the playoff hunt listen to this aj 21 points in his last 15 games one of the top centers that nobody really hears about splitting him up from jonathan huberdo hasn't even slowed him down in fact it's allowed them to build a strong second line because Vinny Trocek's playing center on that unit it's been playing the best hockey of the season for him uh, alongside the potent left winger and Huberto. forward depth has been cited as the issue all year long but at least they seem to have got the top two lines going of late well and they've got their 38 year old netminder playing like a 26 year old right now <laughs> Uh, six wins, one loss, and one overtime loss in his last eight games uh, back from injury. Uh, the goals against average is 2.6. Maybe could be a little bit lower, but certainly uh, a justifiable number there. C- keeps his offense in it. And to your point, it lets Barkov do his thing and uh, rack up some goals and, and keep him in there. So I think where this club goes clearly starts and stops with Roberto Luongo. And if he's playing this well, he might be able to play into his 40s at, at this rate. Now, we obviously saw a stark drop-off uh, with Yager uh, uh, this last year, a lot of that due to injury. Uh, so it can kind of bite you at any time. But at this point, I would not bet against 
Luongo playing a couple more seasons. And in Los Angeles, the Kings have got a boost. We expected it, and we've been waiting for it. Jeff Carter has been delivering it, though. He came back with a vengeance, scoring three goals in his first four games immediately after his return, and automatically that solidifies a second scoring line with familiar mates alongside him in Pearson and Toffoli. I hope listeners capitalize when I mention that this trio could be reunited immediately on Carter's return. That's exactly what happened, and... You have to just look at the game summaries for the results. The the big loser here is Adrian Kempe. We called that he would lose that top six role to Carter. And uh, in fact, he's been blanked in his last four games while Carter's been back in the lineup. He's been relegated to a third line left wing role and his uh, fantasy value has, has disappeared with it as well, AJ. Well, for me, the primary reason they've been able to reunite uh, Pearson and Toffoli with Carter has been the performance of Alex Iafalo. Uh, four points in his last three games has really turned it on of late. And he's not averaging like huge minutes over this stretch. It's only about 1245 in those three games. Uh, so, you know, not not getting a ton of opportunities. But when he's on the ice, he's definitely making it count. And to have a, a guy playing like that alongside Kopitar, uh, you've got Dustin Brown on the other side uh, performing decently as well. A little bit of a, a dry spell here, but uh, some good numbers before that lets you do more things with your line combinations and let you lets you put guys together uh, who you know have chemistry uh, rather than just trying to put the best six uh, in your in your top six. So uh, another dangerous team. Uh, turning it on at the right time and and could uh, pose some real uh, challenges for for the rest of the the Western Conference. Well, and I think you could say the same thing for Minnesota. This team is laying in the weeds, AJ. Uh, I think they could sneak sneak up and bite somebody here. They got all the elements, and right now they're being led by Eric Stahl. We've been talking about him for weeks now. He's been giving them a great return for a three point five million dollar cap hit that extends one more season after this one. You have to wonder if this guy is playing for his next contract already. I have to admit, I didn't like the deal initially, and admit to being wrong here for sure uh one veteran who has definitely disappointed though here is charlie coyle aj he's on pace to produce little more than half of his point total from last season when he hit the 56 point mark he was not able to emulate uh, granland here they both missed a chunk of the season at the beginning of the season granland's performance has been spectacular though almost a point per game since he's been back in the lineup but but uh, certainly they can't say the same for charlie coyle well, I'm always one to harp on consistency. I, I'm not one to, to watch. I, I think when teams are shaking up their lines and, and pairings constantly, I think it kind of creates havoc. Uh, one pretty much consistent, uh, with the exception of about a late November to early mid-December, has been the pairing of Spurgeon and Sutter uh, in that top combo. Uh, you look at what they've done lately, you've got uh, uh, Spurgeon here. He's got six points in his last six games. Uh, really performing well. Two of those have come on the power play. Sutter, conversely, has got uh, about, uh, looks like seven points in his last five games. Now, no goals over that stretch, uh, but assists are key for blue liners. I I think you're going to see, in most cases, there's very few blue liners that are going to score more goals than assists. Uh, And so you got to find the guys that are contributing kind of consistently like these two. I think it really helps them have such a strong pairing. They both eat up a ton of minutes. Uh, and are relied on heavily if they lost either of one of them heading into the postseason I think they could be in real trouble Uh, but for now they've got that consistency that's really helping them and man when you talk about a team in trouble is there one more than Montreal they shut down Carey Price and now Pacioretty 
who checked out mentally a while ago, as we implied around the trade deadline. Vic, young Victor Mete also will miss the remainder of the schedule with with injuries. I can't remember such a dismal, dismal outlook for this franchise in an awfully long time. A lot of people are down on Kalchenyuk. I'm not one of them, though, AJ. This is one guy. I took a close look at his play over the last month and really see a guy who's trying to generate offense and looking more engaged. The shot rate is there for me, and uh, that's an indicator when a, when a shooter is getting the shots on goal that he's trying to do some good things. So I, I like to give him a little more credit than he's been getting from the media there that's been on him like a dog on a bone. Uh, one other guy who deserves the accolade, all the accolades he can get is uh, Gal- Brendan Gallagher. He's enjoying a career year amid the rubble that is the Montreal Canadiens of this season. Well, and you pointed out some some pretty significant uh, season-ending injuries. Let's not forget Shea Weber has pretty much been uh, out for the year since uh, he last played in mid-December, uh, and it's not looking like he's going to be back. Uh, in fact, he won't be back the rest of the year either uh, after undergoing surgery on his foot. So uh, he just never got off to, to a good start this year. The injuries have really plagued them. Uh, on more minor injury notes, David Schlemko dealt with an injury. Antti Niemi has been under the weather. Charles Houdon has been hurt. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think this team had some serious concerns heading into the season, even if they were healthy. And they're they're about what I would have expected of them. Uh, but the injuries have really just kind of piled on and made it that much harder for them to really ever get the season going. And can you imagine a team losing a top defenseman and continuing a, an undefeated streak? That's what's gone on in Nashville. As Roman Yossi's missed the last three games, that would cripple most clubs, but not this club. They've now won nine straight, AJ. I've been critical of uh, up front of Ryan Johansson's productivity for a good part of the season, but he seems to be rounding into form as well with eight points in his last 10 games as a first-line center. He's more, looking more like he's able to take on such a responsibility. The feel-good story in this de- dressing room, though, is the the return of Mike Fisher, who picked up a goal in his first game back. He was eased into the lineup with just over 10 minutes of play in that game. So we'll project him to continue in a top, a bottom six role there. I admit, though, to surprise by the scratch of Kyle Tourist to fit Fisher in. I know Tourist has been in a slump, but he's the only other pivot who should retain a top six role here. And I don't want to hear you talk about a former Penguin who should. <laughs> I, I won't. I won't talk about any former Penguins. Uh, unless I fall into it on accident here. But uh, to, to your point about Kyle Terrace, though, I mean, yeah, has his numbers been as good as, as what we're kind of used to out of his Ottawa days? Maybe not quite, uh, but he's got four points in his last five games. I think it's really just about keeping guys rested. I, I feel like this team thought they were uh, a little bit tired uh, after their, their playoff run last year. I think they wanted to add more depth, kind of keep guys fresh. And having Fisher to kind of spell tourists, uh, you know, move guys around, I think will really help them in that. Uh, the other nice piece that they've added uh, is Ryan Hartman. He's got two goals and one assist in his five games since coming over at the trade deadline. He's going to add even more depth uh, uh, at forward. And hey, if any club could weather losing a guy like Roman Yossi, it's definitely in Nashville. I mean, they have been stacked with defensemen all year. You know, you look at uh, Anthony Beto and Yannick Weber, these guys really struggle to get ice time. I think they'd for sure be a third pairing on most other teams in the league. And in some cases, look at maybe Montreal, they could be a second pairing even on on a team. So uh, they've just got more depth on the blue line than any other club here. Solid net minding. And, and let's be blunt, enough forward depth that they could give Kyle Turris a night off. 
that's saying a lot about this team they're going to be real dangerous and could go really deep again this year and aj when it comes time to talk about the devils we got a lot no penguins mentioned can i just say i didn't mention any former penguins in that analysis i thought nick bonino was going to be on the tip of your tongue for (laughs) sure uh new jersey devils you know when we talk people talk about them the first name that comes out of uh, most mouths is taylor hall he's been outstanding we'll talk a bit more about his remarkable scoring streak a bit later but that's been a key to the devils hanging around the playoff race i also really like the addition of patrick maroon into this mix a big physical guy with good hands and he'll press for a top six role that he's had elsewhere right now they've got him pencil in as a third liner so that speaks to the forward depth here which is better than it's been in a long while uh, stefan noison could be a player to watch on that same third unit next to veteran center Sa- uh, zajac and maroon so uh, i've got my eye on noison as a, as a guy who could be a sneaky good value in some dfs uh, setups yeah i mean your point about maroon is is right on four points in his four games since coming over at the at the deadline here obviously working out for them uh Jasper Bratt I thought it was interesting that they sat him uh for a game uh I don't know if it was just to give him a night off give him a little bit of kind of a mental rest I do think it's interesting uh you know you look at the the five games before uh he had that night off he was averaging just around 10:30 of ice time pretty low he gets the one night off and comes back and they play him a full 15 minutes uh and put him back on the power play so uh obviously they're trying to jumpstart him trying to get him going i think if they can do that it, it it'll really help uh, what they're trying to achieve there and the islanders we know what they're trying to achieve they're trying to get john Tavares to sign a, a contract extension aj a rash of injuries though is directly linked to a crippling two five and three slide in their last 10 games that's going to make uh, getting into the playoffs a bit of a tough uh, nut for them to crack they've slipped down into the wild card standings where their third team outside looking in trailing by six points from columbus blue jackets current hold on that last roll tanner fritz has been an interesting guy in the islander mix of late a couple of goals in his last seven games producing a nice shot rate as well for a credible third line performance the oddity here though is that while this team scores a ton the other third liners andrew ladd and brock nielsen are are, brock nelson rather are two guys who are really disappointing and if they were just having normal years the islanders might be the top scoring team in the eastern conference absolutely and i i do think what's kind of interesting here is we talked about the move for brandon davidson not necessarily like fixing uh their defensive problems since they brought him in uh yaroslav halak played three of those games and faced less than 30 shots in each one of those outings that's really really low for him now is it all brandon davidson probably not but if you look at uh halak's game log before that he's only got two other appearances uh since mid-december in which he faced 20 uh less than 30 shots in a game so it's maybe it's coincidental but maybe it's you know a spark to help that that group kind of shore everything up uh and if they if they're gonna go anywhere they really need to limit the number of opportunities they're giving opposing teams and that's not all on the forwards or all on the defensemen you're going to need forwards to play two-way hockey they are missing some guys who i think are certainly capable of it to your point uh and so if they can get healthy at the right time it, it might be exactly what they need and with the rangers look at i know that henrik ludquist likes playing in new york but i don't see the point of him wanting to stay here uh with regard to the on-ice product, AJ, after the deadline, David Dearney is the new number one center. That 
is a, a show that I've seen in Montreal that flopped miserably. The scary part for for uh, Lundqvist looking at this roster, though, is the very thin Ranger defense. Kevin Shattenkirk has had a terrible year. We know that. And he's at least two year, two weeks remo- re- removed from a possible return to the lineup as he's nursing a knee injury. So a disastrous season for him after signing a big deal last year. Uh, besides that, a lot of kids are in tryout mode here. Neil Plonk and John Gilmore, two unknowns, uh, are ba- at the back end of this defensive depth chart right now. And I'll grant that uh, adding Nemestikov up front was a nice pickup at the deadline, and he should be uh, seeing a ton of ice time in the top six role, but they've really depleted that that group as well. Yeah, you know, we talked about the other two. We might as well talk about the third. Uh, they do still have Mark Stahl on that blue line to add uh, some, you know, some uh, support here. He's a defensive only player in your fantasy leagues. You're not picking up Mark Stahl anytime soon, <laughs> uh, but he averages 18 minutes of ice time per game. And nearly three of that is spent in shorthanded situations. So he's probably got to be Henrik Lundqvist, like favorite person out there uh, because he is actually going to play defense uh, and, you know, try and help out his netminder here. And yeah, to your point, Paul, I mean, they've got uh, Desjardins, in that top center role, you've got Peter Holland in the lineup. Uh, you know, Jasper Fast has really struggled this year. Hasn't, you know, hasn't really looked like the player that he was, you know, two years ago, much less, la- you know, he tied his numbers from last season. So I guess that's good. But um, I just think, you know, they're, they're obviously in a different mode. The problem for Lundqvist is he's got three more years with his club. Right. Uh, now, $8.5 million might be enough to, to persuade him not to gripe too much about it. <laughs> Um, but I, I do agree they're in a rebuild and he's kind of stuck in limbo here as the like, you know, Hey guys, I'm still here. You know, <laughs> we still have a, a decent netminder. Uh, you know, between the pipes, but uh, not a lot of help for him right now. That's for sure. Exactly. And in Ottawa, stop me if you've heard this before, but Magnus Payarvi has a great chance to rehab his career once again with a stop, first. Stop, Paul. Stop. I heard you. <laughs> with a first line left wing role, he's now going to play with Matt Duchesne and Mike Hoffman. Uh, how must Bobby Ryan feel, though, uh, AJ, on this roster? If the rumors of his inclusion in Carlson trade talks were true at the deadline, and apparently they were, maybe he's found motivation uh, with all that. Uh, ink that he must have read Uh, he's got seven points in his last six games the best stretch that he's enjoyed this season they need a resurgence from him because he's an offensive leader when he's going right and they need all the help they can get defensively with Dion Phaneuf's departure youngsters Freddie Clayson and Ben Harper are getting more high leverage minutes and that's got to help their development Uh, I don't really know what they got in these two players and they're about to find out over the last part of the schedule this is audition time in Ottawa and uh, there's a number of players here who got to get it right well to your point about those two i think how they develop will really go a long way to determining you know what uh you know what they decide to do with carlson uh if they can see something in those guys now i'm not suggesting they're going to be like top elite scoring defensemen like carlson was but if they can offer at least enough maybe that's the the motivation the club needs to actually move him uh this off season i do think the the interesting thing we you know me especially but i think both of us kind of question that enough trade well you look at marion gabrick as the return playing fourth line minutes had just one good game against buffalo but otherwise has been completely left off the score sheet uh in fact in his most recent outing saw just 10 minutes of ice time didn't register a stat 
not a hit, not a block shot, not a shot on goal. Basically just skated around for 10 minutes and didn't really do a whole lot. Um, so I, I, I don't get that deal just because I, I get the FNUF contracts bad, but Gabrick's contract isn't great by any means either. So I, I just still cannot wrap my head around that deal. Um, and what they were trying to do with that one. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the Canadian media is talking about this more. You have some more insight, although all your papers are coming from Arizona at this point. <laughs> well, I know that when the Gabrick deal came up for discussion at the deadline, the, no, the notation that was key there was the fact that he signed that deal before he turned 35. And so as a result, uh, his, his uh, early retirement announcement, if he chooses to retire before the end of that contract, might, might, would mean the rest of the term would come off without any penalty. So I guess there may be something of a nudge, nudge, wink, wink deal that we don't know about in Ottawa. If he does retire at the end of the season, that makes this deal a lot more palatable. But if he, if he plays out that, that deal, you're, you're seeing what you're going to get out of him. He's a no-show. That's the problem with him. He's a no-show at this stage in his career. In uh, Philadelphia, a very nice start with his new team. Uh, had people talk about Peter Mrazek, but he's been blitzed for 14 goals against in his last three games, reverting to the inconsistent form that plagued him in Detroit and really led to his ouster, uh, AJ. I think he's just another guy in that long list of ordinary goalies that they keep trotting out in Philadelphia. And that's a shame because there's youngsters up front like Konechny and Patrick who are developing well uh, as quality forwards, and they already have a bunch of forwards that can play. And also, they've got some nice young blue liners here that we've touted regularly. It's the same old story, though. In the, the trouble in the nets is going to continue to haunt this team well if the pattern holds he gave up four goals then he gave up six then he gave up four again could be in line to give up another six tonight (laughs) against pittsburgh uh which i won't cry about that's for sure Uh, but i do want to talk about the net mining situation here i mean there's a lot of question marks heading into the back half of the season here they've got Morazic, who's going to be a restricted uh free agent at the end of the year uh, so they'll have, you know, some value for him, but they still have both Brian and Elliot and Michael Newberth under contract next season. Uh, you know, both those guys contract hits aren't astronomical, but you're not going to carry all three of these guys on your roster for the entire season. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. I wouldn't be shocked if they try and move one of these guys. And, and if he struggles as much as he has been of lately, it could be Mrazek that they try and move. Um, you know, I, I think he's younger. He, you know, probably offers more seemingly more long-term upside, but they're not a team necessarily in a long-term like outlook or rebuild. They kind of need a net miner now to your point. They've got a ton of, uh, players developing well. And so they do absolutely have to figure out the net mining situation, which really hasn't been good for a very, very long time. And we get to your favorite club, the Pittsburgh Penguins. The big three up front certainly drive this team. That's obvious. But uh, the addition of Derek Broussard will he will make him a DFS darling as long as he plays with Kessel in that third-line role. I just see the dollar value here as being a bargain uh, in the f- first few outings that I've seen with him as long as he plays with Phil the Thrill. He's going to be in on a lot of offensive plays. I also like the fact that they moved Gunsel back on the Crosby line as well as the skilled and pesky Patrick Hornquist. To me, Crosby... 
Crosby's been the caddy for rookies most of the season who really have kind of been unproductive in stretches. But now he's got some guys that he's had some some success with, and they're veterans, so he doesn't have to babysit them like he has others. And that's going to sh- help his game, I think, even though he's been on fire anyway. Uh, also, Evgeny Malkin is the real dangerous piece here because he looks more engaged at this time of year once again. Uh, he's gotten that uh, little holiday thing that he gets out of the way every year, it seems, a little fake injury, or maybe it is a legit injury, but uh, he's over that now, AJ, and playing like a lights out. So good for him and good for the Pens. But I think the big concern that you must have is the concussion symptoms that linger for goalie Matt Murray, and that leaves the goaltending to the inexperienced tandem of Casey Smith and Tristan Jarry. That is a problem. So I, I generally would agree with you if if it wasn't so far uh, out until the the postseason starts. Because look, that's all we're really talking about with this Penguins club at this point. Uh, as long as they can stay close, which I think when you have that three-headed monster of Crosby, Malkin, Kessel, you you can stay in any game. I mean, look, Riley Sheehan is a player that could easily be a third-line center, possibly even a second-line center on, on a handful of teams in the league, and we've got him on the fourth line here in Pittsburgh. I mean, and he's actually started to turn it on lately, uh, three goals in his last seven games. Yep. And that's even after getting bumped off that, that Kessel line. He's still gotten a goal since then. Uh, it makes for a really dangerous, I mean, the Penguins' fourth line is made up of Tom, Tom Kunako, who's going to be kind of an unknown for a lot of people, Riley Sheehan, who's capable of being a 20, 30-point player, and then Connor Sheary, who's had some really good uh, stretches, a little inconsistency from him there. So there's so much talent on the forwards that I think as long as DeSmith and Jari can keep games even remotely close, uh, we should uh, the Penguins should be able to outscore most teams. And then we're just looking at getting Murray back in time for the playoffs. That's all I think they're really concerned about. They're going to take their sweet time uh, bringing him back in and, and honestly not worry about the rest of the regular season here. Yeah, I wonder if that's the same mentality in San Jose, AJ, with the Joe Thornton situation. The aging veteran has had a fine year when healthy, but is out of the lineup and the knee, with a knee issue. But I'm hearing that he could be back before the season's end and certainly should be available at the playoffs. So I think the same thing, a holding patterns going on in San Jose with his performance. They have to be feeling good, though, about their goaltending situation there because Martin Jones has been really steady in the last 10 games, allowing two goals or less in 80 of those outings and uh, three in the other two games. So really putting a lid on the goals against average uh, of late. And that's good news there for a team that's missing one of their top centers. Uh, when you think of the defensive scoring here, though, you might not mention Justin Braun right away. He's probably third or fourth in the depth chart there offensively, but he's got seven points in his last nine games. Yeah, they're actually getting more production on the blue line than just uh, Brent Burns, which has kind of been the signature of this team. It's usually been like five defensive-minded guys and Brent Burns uh, for a lot of years. To your point, I mean, can you imagine a top-line combination of Thornton, Pavelski, and Kane to hit playoff time? That's pretty potent pairing, and that's got Logan Couture possibly playing on a second line with you know Donskoy, uh, LeBanc, possibly Boddicker. I do think that's the Achilles heel for this club though, is Couture really doesn't have anybody to play with Thomas hurdle. Maybe, uh, you know, a couple guys that have gotten shots on top, uh, you know, spots, the right wing position has basically been a revolving door of who, you know, might be on Pavelski's right-hand side. 
So I, that'll probably be the Achilles heel ultimately, but this could be one of the best top lines in the league come playoff time if they do in fact get Joe Thornton back. In St. Louis, Ivan Barbashev has been promoted to the top center role, AJ, replacing the departed Paul Stastny. He notched a goal in 15 minutes of play in his debut uh, last game. Uh, also notable is the fact that Dmitry Yaskin has a nice new role in the second line at right wing with Schwartz and Shen. That should be a pretty good unit and a pretty po- good spot for Jaskin, whose scoring has been not quite to the level of his new mates, but could be juiced by, by playing with them going forward. Injuries on the back end to uh, Bomeister and Edmondson have weakened their defensive depth a little bit, and to me that's cause for concern because uh, certainly Boomeister, one of the better shutdown defenders in hockey. Yeah, losing uh, losing him for the season to that hip injury is definitely a blow. Sounds like he's been dealing with it all year. Uh, there was a pretty long run, uh, about a month maybe, where he wasn't showing up to, to game day skates, just saving everything he had for games. So probably the right decision there. Edmondson seems to be working his way back. It sounds like they should get him back sooner rather than later, which is good news. Uh, the bad news again is that Car- uh, Carter Hutton's starting to actually look human uh, in goal there. Just one, two, and two in his last five games with a 3.41 goals against average. Uh, that could open the door to Jake Allen to potentially try and reclaim. Uh, the starting job here. The unfortunate part for him is Allen is 0-4 in his last five with a uh, .852 save percentage. So he's by no means been performing up to the level of a guy who wants the starting job back. But uh, neither guy playing well. I think it's kind of open at this point as far as who gets the you know the net mining duties the rest of the way. When we talk of the next club, I'll remind our listeners, I picked Tampa to win the Stanley Cup this year in our preseason preview, AJ. Wrong. The Bolts are, <laughs> listen, the Bolts are 8-1-1 one, one their last 10 games. They're atop the league, and they're holding off the Bruins in the Atlantic Division, the best division in hockey. Unfortunately, they still haven't been able to get newly acquired D-man Ryan McDonough into a game yet, but that'll happen soon enough. There's no rush there. This team is, is uh, building for the long haul, and you've got to like the addition of J.T. Miller. I've talked to a couple of Ranger fans in the last couple of years. They think this guy is one of the most underrated players in hockey. He's fit in like a glove, though, with Tampa notching three points in his first three games here in a second-line role. He's going to move all over the roster wherever there's a need, and uh, this is just a team that's loaded for bear right now. Yeah, I mean, the Atlantic division is just such that really none of the three teams at the top, Boston, uh, Toronto, and Tampa, really need to worry about making the playoffs. Uh, But what I do think is concerning is you look at Vasilevsky's last two outings. Yes, they're both wins, but he gave up six goals to the Flyers and four goals to the Panthers. Now, both those teams are playing very well lately, so that's certainly something to consider. But again, in both outings, he faced over 40 shots. Uh, And that does speak to the need to get Ryan McDonough on the ice. Uh, Obviously, they can wait as long as they need to. Uh, To my point about, uh, you know, looking at playoffs, that's absolutely where this club is. Uh, So taking their time with McDonough is fine, but they are going to need him sooner rather than later. And Andre Palat being out, I think, uh, has been an injury they've basically weathered for much of the season. It hasn't been too much of a concern, um, but obviously any you know, hit to a, to a top six in most cases uh, forward is definitely going to set you back a little. 
in Toronto, they've missed Austin Matthews more than I thought they would, uh, going 0-2-2 in their last four games, the poorest stretch of the season for the Leafs, in my estimation. It's marked by back-to-back five goals against efforts on Frederick Anderson's ledger, too. Count me among those who think he should play no more than eight of the remaining 14 games. You've highlighted it, AJ. This team's going to the playoffs, and there's no need to burn out a goalie who's played more minutes and faced more shots than anybody else in hockey. I say rest him and use McElhenney, who's been very serviceable as a replacement. They're locked in as the third team in the Atlantic Division. They're not going anywhere, so they should just sit back and watch the Bruins and Tampa fight it out for uh, the top seed in this division. Uh, In terms of the rest of the roster, Mitch Marner has continued a torrid second half, and Willie Nylander looks like he could become a full-time center. Uh, He's playing that role in in Matthew's absence, and so I think this is a key long-term development for the club that more people will discuss in the offseason. Austin Matthews, for his part, though, is skating again, and that may be the best news of all for Leaf fans right now. Yeah, so I'm going to play a little game here with uh, with stats. If you look at McElhinney's numbers, he hasn't lost a game in regulation since uh, December 20th, which sounds really impressive until you note he's only made six appearances over that stretch. <laughs> but having said that, they've been solid outings, uh, four wins, one overtime loss, a 1.41 goals against averages, uh, goals against average in those appearances. And so that does speak exactly to what you're talking about, Paul. It's not like McElhinney has struggled or underperformed by any stretch of the imagination. I do think you are dead on here with your assessment. Give Freddie Anderson some rest. Let him get ready for the postseason. Even if McElhinney does come out and struggle uh, to what I said before, it's not like you need the wins or the points right now to make the playoffs. Uh, So I think more importantly, focus on the postseason, rest up your starter and get him set and ready to go. In Vancouver, as the Canucks have dropped out of the playoff hunt, a couple of injuries to top players have really cinched the deal there. As Ven Barchi and, and uh, Boser, uh, top rookie, uh, both looks uh, are likely sidelined for the balance of the season. And that's opened up opportunities for youngsters uh, Brennan Leipzig and Jake Furtanen on the top line with Bo Horvat. I'm curious to see how veteran Yussi Jokinen also meshes with the Sedins. It'll be his first crack at playing with the veterans who have led the the Canucks for so long so interesting developments on the top two lines make this team worth a watch still for me yeah that Brock Besser injury was really really kind of uh concerning at first yeah uh it's a good news that it's only going to be four to six weeks I mean this looked like it could be something uh that would stretch into months potentially even career ending you know with the the severity of that so it's good news that he's really just going to be out the rest of the season uh, and injuries have really hampered this club. Now, neither of us predicted them to do a whole lot this season, but they've overperformed. I think what either one of us kind of expected here, uh, if it weren't for injuries, they could potentially have been in the hunt, but pretty much everybody outside of like, you know, the Sedine twins has dealt with an injury at some point. Grandlin's on IR, Louis Erickson, uh, Berti, who you said, Brendan Gauntz, even, Uh, So it's been a a tough season for them on the injury front. Obviously, looking to next year is what happens with the Sedins. They obviously aren't going to want to spend $14 million combined on those two. Uh, So we'll see how that all shakes out. This is another club that's in tryout mode. Uh, UC Jokinen, Tyler Mott, uh, Darren Archibald, a a bunch of guys either looking for contracts or playtime here next year. So we'll see what shakes out the rest of the way. In Las Vegas, uh 
the analysis here that I've made even on a couple of tweets last week, I've taken a lot of heat for saying this club is reeling. I guess there's a lot of people who believe in fairy tales and love the one that they're writing here in Las Vegas with a great first year. But the recent game slates indicate what I've been saying. The league may be catch up, catching up to this team a little bit. The goals against are piling up of late, and the injury ward is growing pretty crowded. That may all be due to the fact that there's a bunch of guys here who have never never played as big a load as they've had uh, in this inaugural season for Vegas, and it's starting to wear this team down. Count Neal, Carrier, and Schmidt among the key injuries right now that lead into that discussion for me. Yeah, I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury has looked uh, pretty average of late, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, a point nine oh six save percentage in his last five outings, just two wins. Uh, three losses, one in overtime in that stretch. So, uh, you know, I, I think it will get better for this team. I mean, you talked about the injuries, uh, you know, Lindbergh, Neil Carrier are all guys that would normally contribute. Riley Smith picked up an injury last night as well. Uh, defensively, Schmidt, Stoner and Spisa all would be in contention uh, for, for some minutes. So that could be a part of the reason that they're facing more shots. Uh, I just think there's there's a lot uh, a lot of missing pieces right now. James Neal, I think, is the primary one. He's their their goal scorer. Um, you know, whether he leads the team or not, that's kind of his primary role as sniper. And without him, it's it's made things a lot more difficult. Uh, you know, as far as putting pucks in the back of the net. Then another team that you love to hate, the Washington Capitals, are up next. They looked so good against the Leafs in that outdoor game that I thought, oh, maybe this team's getting it together. But then a longer look at it bigger slate of recent games reveals that Braden Holtby has been pulled in three of his last six starts. That's not the way you want to see your starting goalie getting ready for the playoffs. Uh, up front, Jakob Vrana slapped, uh, snapped a long goalless streak in that outdoor game and is getting more time on the second line. That's an interesting development for me because this guy is, I think, out of the skills to be a pretty capable scorer in this league. On defense, the Caps plugged in recently acquired Michael Kempney, who's been an excellent shot blocker as the new playing partner for John Carlson. This could be a situation that really helps Carlson to, to take the puck and run with it a little bit more uh, it, it also allows them to ice a pretty strong second tandem on the blue line with Niskanen and Orloff playing together as well so uh, some interesting developments with the Caps team yeah I think uh, they have kind of the opposite problem of what we talked with Toronto and Tampa Bay uh, they need to be on all you know firing on all cylinders and need Braden Hopi uh, to shoulder the load uh, heading into the postseason I mean the Penguins are just one point behind them. The Flyers are just two points behind them. And look, in this Metropolitan Division, you need to try and avoid second or third right now. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if the playoffs started today, you've got Pittsburgh, Philadelphia playing each other in the first round. Regardless of who would come out of that matchup, it's probably going to go seven games, probably going to be physical, and you're not going to want to be, you know, facing the Capitals in, in a second round matchup. So uh, getting to first and potentially then, you know, it looks like you would probably face the Devils, possibly the Blue Jackets, who just aren't uh, as challenging of a team as playing Pittsburgh or Philadelphia. So Washington needs to stay in that first place spot in the Metropolitan. Uh, and unfortunately, it means Brayden Hopi is going to keep working a lot of games. Grubauer might get a few more, but that's been the problem with this team for years is that it seems every year by the time they get to this point, the team starts to fade Hopey starts to look burned out because they rely on him so heavily and they end up just, uh, you know, uh, flaming out in the postseason. 
In Winnipeg, to round it out, I'll, we'll talk more about Patrick Laine's goal-scoring exploits in a second. They may have a serious issue, though, with Mark Scheifele suffering an upper body injury last night, AJ, and that's big concern for the second injury of this guy's season. More info should come out shortly. I don't know if you've got anything on your end, but I haven't seen anything yet. That makes the recent addition of Paul Stastny a nice insurance policy, though, as they're still able to ice uh, two strong centers on the primary scoring lines, at least in the short term. They'll also still be without uh, Jacob Truba and Toby Anstrom on the blue line, but both are nearing a return. That'll be a significant help to a team that I expect will have a deep playoff run if they can get all hands on deck. Well, so you want to talk about the opposite situation here again. Uh, you know, yes, the Jets are in a strong fight, um, but they decided to rest Connor Hellybuck last night with Steve Mason back from that concussion. And lo and behold, he pitches a shutout performance. Uh, so they've got a little bit more security to rest their starter uh, that they don't necessarily have in Washington. And they did that without Toby Enstrom and Jakob Truba, who are both injured. Uh, so a pretty banged up team as well. I think the fact if Shifley, I haven't seen anything either. If Shifley is out long term, it's going to make that move to bring in Paul Stastny all that more important. I would expect him to get the look uh, over Brian Little on that top line with Wheeler and Kyle Connor. Um, but yeah, you know, having right now they've actually got Patrick Line, Stastny, and Ehlers listed as their third line. Uh, I would hazard to guess that's. I don't know, some sort of weird formality there. Uh, <laughs> but I definitely th would think of them as their second line over Peralt, Little, and Roslavic. So uh, a very deep team right now that I think could weather the storm without Shifley. But if they want to win the Stanley Cup, they are definitely uh, going to need Shifley, Enstrom, and Truba all back, to your point about having all hands on deck. Well, we want to give thanks to our friends at FanDuel who have supported us all year long and continue to do so as our main sponsor here, AJ. It's almost time to transition to a talk of some baseball down the line. Uh, there's been some interesting developments low, uh, with the Toronto club that uh, have me a little concerned. Uh, Marcus Stroman dealing with shoulder issues, and uh, they've made some moves to bolster the back end of their bullpen. Uh, to keep a handle on all this stuff, we invite listeners, not only do we do a great job with the Rotowire keeping the lineups and in hockey up to date but we do a great job on baseball too so you can look forward to to baseball fan duel play we've so, certainly got hockey and uh, nba basketball front and center to talk about and we'll talk a little bit more about the hockey setup uh, with a three game slate tonight aj but before we do uh, i i want your thoughts on uh, the baseball off season are you uh, seeing some interesting notes here and and where else do people turn to get good information that will help them down the line in fan duel play well, hey, for me, I, I admittedly don't know uh, much about baseball. I, I mean, I honestly couldn't even tell you who, you know, I cheer for the Brewers just because I'm from Wisconsin, from the Milwaukee area. Uh, I couldn't even tell you what their starting uh, lineup looks like. And so when it comes to playing, uh, you know, daily baseball, I really have to rely on, on rotowire.com to get me all the latest info. Uh, one of the things that I've enjoyed uh, more for season long guys is they have a closer page that kind of directs you to who the current closer is and how secure it looks like they are in their position as a closer. Uh, it's a really unique kind of nice tool that they have on there. Uh, but yeah, as far as daily, uh, the lineup optimizer is a huge help. Uh, you know, in trying to build that lineup, because I do need all the help I can get 
Uh, I like to play daily uh, just because I'm not tied in, as you said, but, uh, you know, I, I couldn't do it without a little of assistance just because I don't have the time to follow baseball. I'm too busy watching the Penguins play into June uh, <laughs> to, to follow baseball. Good point there. Uh, <laughs> listen, fans, oh, uh, listen, uh, friends, rather, over two and a half million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. You could be another one. So take advantage of the special offer for new users. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. Of course, those contests are void where prohibited, and they're prohibited in Arizona, unfortunately. So I won't be playing in the next few days. That's disappointing to me. Let's get to our FanDuel DFS segment. Why don't you run through tonight's three-game sked? Yeah, just a, just a short uh, set of tilts here. You've got uh, the Calgary Flames making the trip to Buffalo. Uh, uh, Rich is going to go in goal for Calgary. Looks like Johnson will go for Buffalo. Got the Flames favored minus 150. Uh, the game of the night easily is uh, Flyers-Penguins. Yeah. Um, this one's an even split. You look at the, the money line here, you've got minus 110 on both sides. Uh, you know, the Flyers are at home. Uh, but the Penguins are a dangerous team. To your point, though, they don't have Matt Murray, so it's going to be Jari in the Nets for Pittsburgh, Morazic for the Flyers. Uh, and then the late game is Canucks uh, against Arizona. Uh, Vancouver at home here, minus 145 with Markstrom between the, the post, uh, or between the pipes, rather. And then it looks like Darcy Kemper tonight for Arizona. That hasn't been confirmed yet, but I would expect that to come out shortly. Obviously, check back to the starting goalie grid on rotorwire.com uh, to finalize what, uh, what's going on there. All right, and it's time for us to put our best picks together. I'm with you. I can't wait to see that tilt tonight, uh, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. should be a great one. I expect high scoring, too. Uh, AJ, which, what's your lineup look like? Well, so I was going to go with, uh, with Sidney Crosby here, uh, but, uh, you know, somebody else uh, on this podcast took him and, and <laughs> can outline why they're going to use him tonight. So I'll pay the extra $3,000 and go with Evgeny Malkin. Uh, you touted how absolutely hot he's been of late. Uh, you know, just can't seem, you know, can't seem to go a game without scoring any points. So uh, I expect more big things. It's a huge matchup. It's one that, you know, he'll definitely be up for as well as the rest of the Penguins lineup uh, pairing with him. I'm going to go with Derek Broussard. Uh, we've talked about him chipping in a goal and an assist in his games there. 5,400 is a really low price tag for a third line center who's playing alongside Phil Kessel. Now, speaking of Phil Kessel, I'm going to pay up here again, 8,200 for Phil the Thrill. Uh, the matchup is one that'll bring out the best in both teams. Uh, the power play numbers are absolutely phenomenal for Pittsburgh, and Kessel is a huge part of that. So, I've spent a lot of money already, so we got to save a little bit. Wayne Simmons back in action tonight, 5,500, another guy. Uh, I just think, for me, I'm avoiding the goalies in these contests because I do think it could be a heavy matchup. Uh, the odds tonight have a six over under, so that's that's higher than most games. So Wayne Simmons, I think, will be a contributor on the other way. Uh, going from there, I got Michael Furland going up against Buffalo. He's 50, uh, 4,500 rather, and Jason Pominville on the other side, 4,400. These are some depth guys that have scoring potential, especially Pominville. He's shown it in the past. A little bit of streaky in, in both their cases, but at, at the low cost, I think they're worth it. 
defensively, I'm going to go with Justin Schultz, 4,600. Now, uh, his role and whether he's on the top unit or the second unit has kind of changed, but will get power play looks either way. Um, and, you know, recently scored uh, on uh, the other night. So he's hot right now. And then flipping over to the other side again, Ivan Provorov, 5,200. I like what he can offer in terms of kind of those other uh, categories as well. He's a high shot guy, has 11 shots in his last two games against some tough teams, Tampa and Florida, uh, add some blocks in there as well. So he's uh, a solid player to have. And then in goal for me, I am going to go with Darcy Kemper for 8,000. I just didn't want to pay up. Uh, you know, there's, there's no like 9,000 guys. I don't want to take Jari tonight. Uh, I have concerns about using, you know, Markstrom as well. Uh, and so for me, I can save a little bit of money, go with Darcy Kemper. Uh, it's a risky play. There's not a ton of great goaltending options tonight, in my opinion. Uh, obviously, there's only six. So, uh, but yeah, you kind of have to pick your spot and hope you hit it. Yeah, and uh, you know what? I'm on the on the left coast here, pretty much. So I got up earlier than you, and I grabbed Crosby to start my lineup building. AJ, the case for him is very simple. This is a large game. He's played in more big games than anybody in hockey, and so I'll take him tonight, no problem at all. And uh, I have to pair him with Derek Stefan of Arizona. I like the situation with Arizona tonight uh, i think they've been playing well of late so i i like that situation very much uh, thinking they're going to gang up on vancouver i'll fill out the rest of the roster with travis konechny uh, playing for the philadelphia flyers he's been filling the net uh, in the last several weeks and fifty seven hundred dollars the price tag there patrick hornquist i mentioned why i'm picking him he's playing with crosby sixty three hundred dollars his price tag pretty comfortable spending that kind of money for a guy who doesn't mind the rough going and there'll be plenty of it in this matchup Clayton Keller is another guy I'll fill in uh, the lineup card with Arizona they he's been part of their resurgence in the last 10 games uh, so I like putting him in there for 5100 bucks then throwing Carol uh, Carl Hagelin into the lineup for Pittsburgh you know it better than anybody AJ this guy's been a pretty solid contributor for the whole second half of the season priced at only four thousand dollars yet he could play top six minutes so why not throw him in then I'm going to go a little bit off the board in terms of what I normally do, AJ, in picking Hamilton and Giordano, the whole the tandem in Calgary against the Buffalo Sabres. And then I'm going to round out my goaltending situation by picking the Calgary starter. There is some doubt about the projected goalie. I have Gillies listed as the guy that I'm going to go to, but I'll be happy with whoever they throw in that because I think the high likelihood is that Calgary wins that particular matchup. Now, you can tell me, what does the optimizer have in store? All right. So the optimizer is going to start off uh, with uh, your pick here, Sidney Crosby, 8,800. <laughs> uh, certainly can't knock that for tonight's matchup. Bo Horvat uh, for 5,900. Uh, his price tag has kind of started to creep up for what he's produced on the year. Uh, obviously, he's had a, a, some slumps here and there, but he's looking uh, at, you know, uh, looks like five points in his last three games. So definitely a steal at that price tag. Uh, the optimizer is actually going to go with a full flyer stack tonight. Again, I can't really blame that just because of the question marks in goal. So Claude Giroux, 7,700. It likes my Wayne Simmons pick for 5,500. Optimizer continues to go with our guys, Paul Clayton Keller, one of your uh, picks, 5,100. And then Oscar Lindbaum or Lynn Bloom rather, uh, for the Flyers at 3,000, a relatively unknown, uh, but it does look right now at least like he's going to get uh, some time on the power play. 
hasn't scored in his last five games. So that's obviously a concern about two shots a game over that stretch. Uh, but you know, finding other ways to contribute some block shots in there, a little bit of a riskier play, but if you can get a power play tally, that's really going to help you out. Uh, again, the optimizer 5,600 for Dougie Hamilton, uh, likes your, your go there and likes my pick on the flip side, 5,200 for Ivan Provorov and the lineup optimizer rounds it out with my guy, Darcy Kemper for 8,000. So, uh, as you can see, folks, the, 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 the strictly numbers speaking optimizer likes uh, a lot of our picks kind of took a little bit of each of us and, and kind of put something together, which I would recommend most of our listeners do, you know, take a couple of picks from Paul, take a couple from us, lock those guys into the optimizer and then, you know, refresh it and see who else it spits out. So not a bad strategy that the, that you can employ on a week to week basis. Yeah. And you know what? I realized that if Riddich goes for me, that's going to put me over the max. So I have to make a move on defense and I'll probably flip a coin between the two guys I've named. And I'm going to put in, uh, bro, uh, the third link of that Calgary defense into the mix. TJ Brody will be the guy that I throw into the lineup. So, uh, look for that swap later. If the goaltending situation is in fact in favor of Riddich over the other starter, that's possibly named there in John Gillies. So that, will do it for our lineups now let's get into the stud of the week it's two players for me aj and we got to talk about both these guys just because they've been playing off the charts hockey we're talking about patrick line and taylor hall line has become one of the highest scoring sensations among teenagers in the history of the game in fact aj ranking very high on the list of all-time leading scorers who have yet to uh, face their 20th birthday cake I'll say and uh, Taylor Hall of the Devils well he's up to 26 straight games in terms of scoring a point they're not consecutive because he missed a game due to a, a health situation but 26 straight games that he's played and that he scored both these guys leading their club's respective attacks in spectacular fashion Hall with that consecutive point streak and line a ranking among the top scorers in hockey already uh, as one of the top snipers fantastic players fantastic talents well, the only knock I have on Patrick Line is that beard. Yeah. Uh, not sure what's going on there. It looks like a 19-year-old's beard is, is really what it comes down yeah. to. Uh, but you look at what he's done recently, 19 points in the last nine games. Uh, just one of those games against Nashville in which he didn't get a goal, uh, but he picked up two assists in that one. Most nights recently, he's had upwards of four shots on goal. Uh, so in daily contests and season long, checking a lot of boxes, uh, power play ice time is there as well. And yeah, Taylor Hall, to your point, Paul, has been a great player for a very long time. Uh, it was always kind of interesting that Edmonton moved him uh, and but it seems to have settled in well uh, with New Jersey. Had 53 points with them last year, 74 now this season uh, and bigger and better things. I, you know, he's got 30 goals on the year, which is the first time that he's done that in his career. Uh, and there's plenty of hockey left. He could certainly approach 35, possibly even push for 40, uh, an impressive season, uh, for both guys. And then with the rant of the week, AJ, I came up with a laundry list. Maybe it's a nod to the Olympics that I picked three different things here in terms of a, a bronze, silver, and gold picks. The bronze <laughs> pick, if you will, the goalie in the crease situation 
they still shouldn't be interfered with, folks, yet the other night, Freddie Anderson in Buffalo gets his foot tripped by a stick. They yanked it out from behind. He went head over heels, and then on the same motion, the player then took the puck and shot it into the empty net, yet they called it a goal. It was incredible. The puck, the skate was in the crease when it was interfered with. The goal was scored, and it sunk the Leafs. Uh, that's been a house of horrors in Buffalo for them for years, so it just adds to my misery watching games in the Queen City. The 3-2-1 point system. We'll keep harping on this until it changes. A win in regulation, folks, should be three points. An an overtime win settled by a game of hockey should be two points. And then one point for the loss. And so uh, that should be the way it works. And so uh, if that one point for the loss in overtime should be fine if they go with three points for the win in regulation. I'd like to see this change. It's kind of a steal from soccer. It's the only instance where soccer gets it right. I'll never say that about <laughs> any aspect of soccer ever again. But my winner is, in terms of the gold medal, the distasteful timing that the NHL chooses to announce European dates for NHL games next year in Finland and other locales so soon after the Olympic Games hockey schmozzle. It's all about the money, folks, not you and me. And I'm really disappointed that the NHL didn't waste any time once the Olympics shut down to make an announcement of several games that were going to be played in Europe by some of the best players on some of the best teams. We just won't see all of the best players on all the best teams on the world stage for a while. Yeah, I, I like every all of your rants here, Paul. I think uh, for me, uh, you know, the the goaltender thing, uh, the goaltender interference has kind of become what a catch is in the NFL. Nobody really knows. Uh, there's not really any answers to that. It seems like it changes on a regular basis. Uh, to your point about the three, two, one uh, system, that's definitely something we've talked about for for quite a while, uh, and I think is a great way to really reward teams. For going out and winning in regulation, I, I, there's a lot of games that we're going to see, especially towards the tail end when p- teams really need points, where those last three minutes of regulation are going to be kind of wasted uh, because neither team wants to give up earning an overtime point there. So kind of interesting. Uh, as far as the timing goes uh, of the international game announcement, I think you're just bitter about the fact that Canada couldn't three-peat uh, as gold medal <laughs> gold medalist i do think it's i mentioned this last week it's interesting that russia finally won without alexander ovechkin um but yeah as far as those games go though i think we're going to see some really interesting contests uh the devils are going to play a preseason game against uh, sc burn oilers will play a preseason game against colner high and then they'll play their first game of the season actually in sweden on october 6th and then uh, and November 1st and 2nd, the Jets and the Panthers will play each other. You've got Patrick Laine, who we just talked about, uh, rookie, you know, young sensation, will get to play in his native Finland in, a, in an NHL game. So, yeah, you could raise some question about the timing, but as far as the games themselves and what they're trying to do, uh, I really think it's a great look for the for the league. Um, I don't necessarily think it's all about money. It's certainly a factor. Don't get me wrong. I think money was the reason they didn't go to the Olympics. Um, but I think these games are good for the league are good for the sport. And Hey, worst case scenario for us here, uh, in North America, means we get some hockey during the day, right. With the time changes. So, uh, you know, not a bad, bad problem there either. True enough. Well, that wraps up this week's podcast with Statsman and AJ. Remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. And you can follow AJ at AJScholz24. That's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z-2-4. We hope you've enjoyed this show today on Wednesday. We'll be back to our usual Tuesday time slot next March the 13th. 
And tune in for the next episode of Podcast Then so you get all the latest news and our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contest. So long, everybody.